Hello everyone and welcome to Artifacts. I'm your host, Marissa Dickens, and today's guest is dancer, choreographer, and artistic director of Plea Ballet, Eric Otto. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on to hear your journey. And like as a new artistic director of Toledo Ballet, what's it what's the journey been like so far and like the legacy of that is Toledo Ballet? It's been a whirlwind to say the least. Uh, we moved here about 14 months ago from upstate New York. I was currently uh, artist in residence in classical ballet at Skidmore College. And as soon as my three year residency finished, mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking for an opportunity to to really continue what I love to do in in the dance world, and that's to create dances and to teach students and dancers. And I saw the opportunity to come out to Toledo, Ohio, to work with the Toledo Alliance for the Performing Arts, and they were looking for a new artistic director. And uh, as soon as I heard that the symphony and the ballet were under one performing arts organization, I was really excited about that idea because... It is such a treat for a ballet school to be able to have live music and a symphony for all of our productions. That was a huge driving force for me to come here. But um, for me right now, in my family, things are great. You know, we do our productions, our annual production of the Nutcracker every year. It's number 83, right? Oh my God, yes. That's the a huge feat. The longest running in the nation. It is. It is. It is the longest running. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. But, um, but I think, you know... Having done this for 83 years, there, it's we know what we're doing now, you know. So um, this year there'll be a few special little additions. Uh, we're actually going to remain true and traditional with the story. However, the cast, the lead cast, is going to be a lot younger. It's going to be children dancing in the roles of Clara and the Per Prince and Fritz, and and we're gonna. We're going to bring back some new fun additions in Act 2 as well. Mm-hmm. So things are going good at Toledo Ballet. You know, of course, I always want to continue to grow the school, to instill the best curriculum with our faculty, mm-hmm. and to, to continue presenting really good art. Mm-hmm. Well, let's dive into more about you and, like, how you got into ballet. So where did you grow up? Okay, so I grew up in Westchester, New York. In the 80s, my mom had a a large ballet school, and we were about 30 minutes north of New York City, and uh, she would put on her productions, too. So ever since I could crawl, I heard Tchaikovsky in the background, (laughs) heard Nutcracker, I heard, uh, you know, Romeo and Juliet, and Sleeping Beauty, and I was born into a very large ballet family. I am one of seven. Wow. Yeah. And so... My mom started her ballet school out of her basement in our home in the mid to early 60s. And it grew from there. It blossomed. And then she, you know, segued into a small church basement and then eventually got a a proper facility for her school. So that's where we started in Westchester, New York. And um, I was classically trained at the School of American Ballet in New York City. And upon graduation, received an apprenticeship in New York City Ballet. And then um, after that, I performed at the American Ballet Theater, Mm -hmm. and then got to know uh, my mentor, Twyla Tharp, very well. And she invited me to perform in her Broadway musical at that time. This is many years ago now. I'm dating myself. (laughs) This is in 2003, 2002, 2003. 
I went and I auditioned for her show, her rock and roll danceical. I call it a danceical instead of a musical with Billy Joel, his music yeah. and lyrics. And I had the opportunity to perform in that show for two and a half mm-hmm. years, and it was one of the what was greatest. Was it like working with Twyla? She was like iconic in the dance Twyla. history books. We learned about Twyla Tharp. Oh, like, do you really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Twyla is legendary. She pushes you hard. She expects a lot from you. She's very well prepared, and she expects her dancers to also bring that same work ethic. And if you don't, she'll call you out. But that being, that setting that to the side, she's wonderful to work with. She's very inspirational. She pushes you and she challenges you. She makes yeah. you think as a dancer, which I really liked. I liked being in a studio with her where she was pushing you not only physically, the physical demands of dance, but also the mental side of it as well mm-hmm. uh, in terms of counting music and, and phrases and reversing phrases, retrograding them forwards, backwards, sideways. Like <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so, so working with her uh, was, was a challenge, but I mean, you know, Marissa, like you can only grow if you put yourself in these situations where you may feel a little uncomfortable, right? Even having conversations. Like it might be a touchy topic to talk about, but the only way to move forward is to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So working with her kind of opened up my eyes in a whole new way and I grew so much from it. Mm-hmm. Going back to your ballet beginnings, so like it was a natural like I'm gonna do ballet because mom has a ballet school. Were you ever like, I don't wanna do ballet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How did you keep going? Especially like, there's not a lot of male dancers in the ballet world. Yeah, lots of ice cream sundays from my mom. Bribery. <laughs> Bribery. <laughs> I I kept going well because I did get to a point when I was in middle school and I was playing soccer, travel soccer, and I was doing very well. And I remember the coach, my coach at the time, had told me you need to decide. And I think a lot of kids, especially nowadays, as an artistic director of a dance school, seeing this side of it now, I can kind of relate to it. I couldn't understand it then. Mm -hmm. I was like, decide, why can't I do it all? But I understand now because it gets to be a big commitment with Mm -hmm. soccer or with ballet or with hockey or with violin. So I kind of had to decide. And of course, my mom wanted me to go into dance. And Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to to have... um, you know, uh, the desire, and I, I was very musical as a, as a dancer and a, and a young student, and it felt like a, a, a more of a natural fit because my family was already involved in it, mm-hmm. in the soccer world I love, but it was a foreign world, and I didn't necessarily have the the commitment from my parents to pursue that because it was a world they were kind of unknown to. Mm-hmm. It was more familiar with the performing arts, so that was like a natural yeah. road for me. And why do you think after the, you said like you're very musical as a child, but what else about ballet did you gravitate towards? Oh, geez, I loved watching. I loved watching the male dancers do tricks. When I would you see power behind that, like power and technique and charisma, mm-hmm. and I loved watching them jump in the air, almost like when you watch a figure skater. And, or like pairs or, or the singles where they're doing those triple axles. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, wow. Like I, was, I would get so excited when the male variation would come out when I was a boy. <laughs> and I loved watching the female variation too. But when the male dancer would come out because he would jump in the air and do all these leaps and it was yeah. exciting for a young boy. You know, as I imagine for a young girl to look up to a ballerina to aspire to be that mm-hmm. one day. Point shoes. And Point shoes, the, the crown. Yeah. Yeah. Or in, certainly what I was exposed to, too, was a lot of balancing characters, so a lot of neoclassical. So mm-hmm. we had that whole classical component, but neoclassical, and of course, then his more avant-garde black and white ballets, mm-hmm. which well, I didn't really quite understand when I was little, but I, have, I grew to love them so much now. Uh, but yeah, I think watching 
an exciting movement on stage and action something in the air was like super cool for me mm-hmm. so then school American ballet so what was that like compared to like, your mm-hmm. mom's studio the rigor oh my gosh night and day really? my mom's studio was like everyone come in and dance yeah. you know? <laughs> welcome um, and this again this is the 80s so you know you like warmers, there were no warmers, we had leg warmers it was like like retires totally and like and like no one had peanut allergies then people had peanut butter jelly sandwiches i mean i'm sure they did i'm sure they did but it was a different time yeah. and my mom's school was was very much an open inclusive school Does she still have her school now no she uh-huh. she closed it about 15 years ago uh, it just became too much. So her school was wonderful, but it was a lot different. It was it was a small ballet school, or well, medium-sized ballet school in Westchester. Uh, but the School of American Ballet, as you know or heard of, uh, is is a large institution that grew over many, many years, founded by George Balanchine and Lincoln mm-hmm. Kirstein. It was the type of academy that I grew up in that gave me the structure to try to do what we're doing here at Toledo Ballet, even though we're like a medium to largest school. I'm trying to bring all of what I learned there and instill it here. Obviously, times change and we evolve, but little things like when we were we changed the, the uniforms mm-hmm. here. So we had decided to change the leotard colors and also put the Toledo Ballet insignia branded on the side. I really wanted our students to just really take stock and ownership, be proud of who they are. And I think it's I think it's been a pretty big success so far. I haven't heard anything no, that feels good. Uh, anything negative about it. So yeah, it looks looks good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What's been your favorite performance you've been a part of? I know it's like a, there's yeah. so many, but that's that's a really good question. There are a few. I think in in the ballet world, when I was dancing classical ballet with American Ballet Theater, I have to say, doing Kenneth McMillan's Romeo and Juliet, a full-length Romeo and Juliet, was was one of my favorite ballets. It was to the music of Sergei Prokofiev. Mm -hmm. And if some of you listeners out there were at the Cinderella Ballet, you would recognize Prokofiev's music. That was one of my favorite ballets to do. I'm a hopeless romantic. Mm -hmm. I love the tragedy, the drama, (laughs) the love. And so that was a great ballet to do for me. I also loved my time being on Broadway and, and dancing to Twyla Tharp's rock and roll danceical with Billy Joel that was so much fun eight shows a week to dance that rock and roll that beat that beat music you know what's the difference between like rehearsing for a ballet versus like on Broadway yeah yeah the shows are are it's similar I mean Broadway you do one show and it's eight shows a week and you do have rehearsals for it because there'll be new dancers or actors coming in and those rehearsals are called a put in mm-hmm. as opposed to a dress rehearsal you can mm-hmm. still call it dress rehearsal everyone knows what I'm talking about but the correct term on Broadway is called mm-hmm. a put in uh, on Broadway they have dance captains mm-hmm. in the ballet world uh, they have rehearsal directors mm-hmm. right so it's it's different uh, terms all basically the same thing um, it depends on the size and scope of the show but you know you go in you have a performance at 8 o'clock in New York you get there at 7.30, you do your show, and you leave. So in, in the dance world, it's like you're in the ballet world, you're, you're building up to this big season, and then it will end. Mm-hmm. In Broadway, it's like you're building up to this big show, you get the Tonys, and then after that, <laughs> it kind of like fizzles down a little bit, and there's yeah. like a little bit of a lull. And I think in Broadway, which what I, in my experience, what I found was hard was after the excitement of opening night and the Tony Awards, and then you go into the summer months, and then it's still exciting, and you love what you do, but you're doing the same show every single day, eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep it fresh. But how do you find the newness in that? Exactly, which is what I found as a young dancer hard to do. 
luckily I had Twyla's choreography and Billy Joel's music to kind of push me through. Mm-hmm. But you need to do little things. You know, I've seen things from dancers and actors backstage where they would have their little innuendos or little routines mm-hmm. they would do and things they would bring in, you know, to, to get the cast through a week. Uh, and it's always exciting when a new star comes in or new dancers because it kind of reboosts the show a little bit. Um, is you know in, in, in a dance season when you're preparing for a classical ballet season, you're doing many different ballets and full lengths, and sometimes you're doing mixed rep with a few different ballets in there. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of variety and there's a lot of uh, variety in terms of uh, fulfilling you artistically. But then that season will end after a couple of weeks at a Kennedy Center or a mm-hmm. Metropolitan Opera House, or mm-hmm. so it is hard. It's it, it, it's it, they're both very different. Um, this, there's our similarities in terms of rehearsals, performances, but then you look at the the, the differences in doing one show, <laughs> the exam show for eight or for it could be years, or doing you know a variety of performances. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like to do, especially in New York, like the hub. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, New yeah. York is like the place. Like, yeah. of course, you got Paris, you've got Tokyo, you've mm-hmm. got London, you've got Moscow, you got all these these amazing cities. But New York is like everyone. And it's funny because like I would meet friends from all different backgrounds and different countries and cultures, and you know they were like New York, like they had a <laughs> smile on their face, like from Russia, South America, from Asia. I mean, they were. You know, they, they just knew New York is the place. It's the place to, to kind of a breeding ground, to push the boundaries, to be progressive, to remain true to some traditional stuff. But yeah, I think New York is probably my opinion. Mm-hmm. And maybe because that's because I lived there for 18 yeah. years and I worked there. And there are great cities. You know, look at mm-hmm. Chicago, great city, LA, uh, Houston, San Francisco. I mean, they're all great cities, but they're not as big as New York. Mm-hmm. They don't have that, those bragging rights. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the ballet world in New York, like, how would you characterize, like, ballet in America versus ballet in in Europe? Yeah, well, I I, I think ballet in America, and specifically New York compared to European countries, Mm -hmm. is ballet is severely underfunded by Mm -hmm. the government. And I know in Europe, for instance, a lot of the companies are government-funded, so they don't really have as many issues as we do trying to raise money, development, marketing, all these things. Um, so I think that's a, a pretty big difference right off the, the, the bat there. Of course, the styles vary and the rep varies. I think European ballet specifically, they take more risks. I, I think, mm. you know, in terms of their aesthetic and their overall theme, I think it's more of a mature, and I hate, I don't want to say this, but no, I think it's just more of a mature crowd. And I don't want that to sound the wrong way. I just think Europe has been there a lot longer than the United States, mm-hmm. and we're still we're still a young country, and I still think we have what we, ha- we that's what we have going for us, and that's what Balanchine brought in. You know, he changed up the, that he broke the boundaries of classical ballet mm-hmm. and he had a more um, more of a jazziness to mm-hmm. the Balanchine style. But for sure, I think those are some of the differences there in terms of our funding and the audiences. You know, when I was in Europe, it just seems like the audiences seem to go to the ballet more and they're not, there's no stigma around it. I know here, you know, of course, growing up, it's it's American baseball, it's football, it's, and then you, you go can go down the list and then there's NBA and then there's, and then it's like, okay, the performing arts is like at the bottom. Why do you think ballet is such a stigma? And how do you, especially as your role as artistic director, how do yeah. you make it more inclusive and more, I don't want to say approachable, but 
Yeah. If I had the answer, if I could crack that nut, you know, that would be, I could make some huge breakthroughs. And I think, I think right now, until we, we find a huge, a, a, a definite solution, I think we have to continue doing what we do. And that's getting into the community, the schools at a young age and exposing them to art, to music, to dance and all forms and genres of dance and how the, those relationships are harmonious and it's not always about, I mean, there's a huge emphasis on sports in our country and, and sports, you know, I like sports just like everyone else, but I'm also an ambassador for ballet and for the performing arts. So I have to do my, my job to help educate the next uh, generation of dancers. But I think it's really just a matter of continuing getting out there, more support. And I think it could be coming, I think it could come back from, from the top, you know, the government, like I was saying before, in terms of funding, like, if we had put, if we could make dance and music more of an emphasis in the arts in our schools, mm-hmm. I think that would make a huge difference. Uh, obviously, the basic arithmetic and reading, yeah, you need yeah. those, but also an emphasis, and and maybe that's that's the difference. And I don't really have an answer, but just from my experience, just getting out there more, educating mm-hmm. the the communities more about what we do, and and like for me growing up, of course, I had my role models. I had three older brothers. And, did they all know, do ballet too? They did. Yeah, they were all professional dancers. So as a oh, young, wow. as a young, as a young boy, hearing that and seeing that, the stigma for me wasn't as bad as yeah. for someone who's playing soccer, or travel, or football. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "You do ballet?" Like, it's like, yeah, <laughs> but it's like it's actually kind of cool. Like once you see it, once you you can. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the most rewarding technique, honestly. Because I think it is. Oh yeah. I think it's. I think it's the hardest. I think it is hard. It is very rewarding. It, it, I feel like I, I was lucky enough to it learn a good structure. It looks like effortless on stage, uh, but it's, it's like, hard to it's do. Hard. I mean, you know, like in some of our listeners, like it's it's really hard to become a professional ballet dancer. Dancer in general, it's hard. It's like less than one percent. I mean, you can become a dancer, but to be able to sustain a living and a mm-hmm. career is very difficult to do. But to learn classical ballet, the true technique, takes many, many years, and it's very difficult because what we do is so unnatural to our bodies. Mm-hmm. And I imagine some of you watching YouTube or TikTok or Instagram and seeing some of these videos, you know, it's it's almost it almost looks like it could be like a circus act, like yeah. what these dancers yeah. do. But it does take take many, many years of training to develop the muscles the correct way. It's hard to do, you know. But I believe if you have those fundamentals, if you have a good classical ballet bass, I think it's a little bit easier to dovetail into contemporary dance or to modern dance or to mm-hmm. uh, to jazz and to hip-hop, I think, because it already kind of instills in you a good structure and a bass. I'm not sure if it's, it's if, if you could reverse that and be like, I was modern trained as a modern dancer mm-hmm. from ages six until 18, and now I'm going to become a dan- ballet dancer. I think mm-hmm. it would be harder to do that way. Uh, it could be done. Uh, I think it just would be a harder uh, path to go, but I've seen so many classically trained ballet, professional ballet dancers that have gone on to dance with Het National Ballet in, in Europe and all these contemporary companies and they can move their bodies and, and break without well, from those confines, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So kind of going into your role as a teacher, like what what is your role as a teacher? When you come into the class, what do you like to bring to the table? Oh man, I like to be silly and I like to be informative and 
I think for me, I, I try and reflect like when I'm a kid, like what do I want to see in, in a teacher? I want to learn, I want to work hard, but I also don't want it to be too stern and too strict where I'm like, mom, I don't want to go anymore. And I certainly had teachers. You, oh, yeah. Had, did you have oh, teachers yeah. like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was like we were talking about before, like when we were talking about Twilight Tharp in my experience, like sometimes you're put in situations oh, where they don't feel comfortable. Now, if it's clearly a situation where you're like, okay, I just, this teacher's just being mean, or that's just not cool, that's a different mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But if you're in a situation with, with a teacher who comes with this persona because of years of who they've become as an artist, and they're like actually they teaching, that. and they've yeah. earned it, but they're actually a good teacher, and they're informative, and they teach you everything from how music relates to dance, mm-hmm. and the history of dance, and I think it's, I think I let that slide. The negative, the, the, not the negative, but just the, the the part of it that you don't jazz with, you know yeah. what I mean, mesh with. Um, but again, like putting yourself in a situation, sometimes it's not comfortable, and you grow from that. But you want to make sure it's the right uncomfortable, yes. right? Yeah, exactly. You probably had so many teachers. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's been your favorite? Oh wow, my favorite teacher. Okay, so I had one who was, when I was at School of American Ballet, his name was Richard Rapp, and he was a former soloist with New York City Ballet under Balanchine. And I had him when I was a, a young teenager, just before I, gra- I moved up into the advanced men's class. I was in the intermediate men's boys level. He was the only teacher that really taught me the true Balanchine style and technique, and his class was very technical. He reminded me of... Uh, of a Mr. Rogers slash Bob Ross, very soft-spoken. He had a mustache. He always had like a nice sweater on, a cup of coffee, and he was very technical. And he would go around and make sure that your technique was very clean and precise. And he would teach you the musicality, phrasing. Mm-hmm. He would teach you different levels and directions and the re- proper terminology. And I remember I really enjoyed his class. I think because there was a lot of structure within it. He was one of my favorite teachers for sure. But I think what I bring as a teacher is just my I bring my passion and my energy and I try and just and, and start to sprinkle in the knowledge and you have to look at different levels right if you're working with kids which you do a lot mm-hmm. which I'm so grateful for oh. <laughs> here at Toledo <laughs> Ballet uh, but you know you have to keep it engaging yeah. and you, you can't be like here's all this information you have to be like well let's here's a sprinkle a touch of information let's make it fun now so yes. it really like solidifies mm-hmm. a lot of imagery yeah what's the best advice you received yeah. And then my follow-up is, what's the best advice you could give to dancers? Yeah, that's a good, very good question. My be- the best advice, I think, that still resonates with me today is that, and this was when I first became an artistic director, when I, I was 30, 36, and I got a, a position to be an artistic director with the Peoria Ballet in Illinois. And I remember I was talking to someone, and I was like, really excited you know doing the nutcracker I'm doing these things and I'm like Eric just so you know not everyone is going to like you Mm. and that still resonates with me because I always want to be liked I always want I think us as humans we want to be well received and liked and invited and and a part of everything and and you, you know sometimes people don't um see your same vision and and your passion and and that's okay it's not for everyone, you know. I just think that's that was some of the best advice I ever had. Um, was not everyone's going to like you, mm-hmm. and that may sound a little. I've heard that before, though. Have you? Okay. Yes, and like I always think, you have to stay true to yourself, stay true to your vision, because mm-hmm. someone will like that, and that they will gravitate yeah. towards that. 
Exactly. And the ones, yeah. And the ones that don't like it will trickle out. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I've seen that in, in many organizations and we've seen it recently, but yeah, you just want to stay true to yourself and still bring your passion and love and the people that want to be there is usually a majority that stay on that want to do that. But yeah, that was some of the best advice uh, that I've had. Uh, and advice for dancers, it's hard. <laughs> it's, hard. it's a hard life to do and it's very demanding. You know, I wish I could go back and tell myself, like, Eric, get more sleep, eat healthier, don't party as much. <laughs> you know, these are things as a dancer, of course, you're young. And if you're lucky enough to have a professional contract as a dancer, whether it's on Broadway or in a professional ballet dance company, you need to take care of yourself because what we do in the studio is very practical. We're pushing our bodies and you need to take care of your body. And I know it sounds like a broken record. You know, you've heard professors and parents and directors and friends, everyone said this, has said this, but you need to take care of your body. Yes, everyone needs to decompress at some point. You go to Cedar Point, run around, do your thing, but you need to take care of yourself. You need to eat healthy, get lots of sleep and rest, especially when you're in preparation for a performance with, you know, our our big nutcracker coming up and I'm talking to our girls like I did last year and just in preparations we want to make sure that we're very we're in really good shape we're fit we're healthy we're getting sleep and we're eating because that could lead to injury if you don't take care of yourself exactly like, we're exactly we never want that to happen but it, it, it is a and that's a whole other topic we yeah, can talk oh, about oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, a, that's so many dance topics I know I know that could be on another podcast yeah. injury prevention and but yeah just just take care of yourself, mind and body. That's that's what I would say. And it's hard because everyone matures differently. Everyone is in a different headspace. And, you know, don't let that get to you. If things happen when you're a dancer, whether it's in regards to casting or an injury, those are setbacks that we have as, as dancers and as human beings. But you must push through them because you will grow so much mm-hmm. when you persevere through all of those setbacks mm. you've probably faced like some rejection oh yeah how do you deal with that and how do you mm. keep pushing forward it's hard it's rejection is hard and yes it may seem like i have had a a very fortunate career and i have and i feel blessed and i feel lucky for that but i had i too am human and i have had my my fair share of rejections you know recently i i would be applying for a position an artistic leadership position and get rejection after rejection after rejection and try to figure out why, what is it? And I don't think you need to waste your time with that. I think just going back to being yourself again, like we were talking about, just being yourself, being authentic and and showing your love and enthusiasm and that will that will read across to people. But yeah, I have certainly been rejected. I think you just need to don't ponder on it too much. Don't let it consume you. Just take it in that okay. There is a place for me, mm-hmm. for you, for everyone, and it's just not this place right now. A lot of it has to do with timing. Mm-hmm. I believe a lot of it in life is timing. When they're looking for a rehearsal director, a dancer, a director, an actor, a lot of it also comes into connections and, and, and who you know. That's also a part of it. As long as you're yourself, you're authentic, and you bring your love, something will happen for you, I promise you. It's nice to hear, especially with your career and what you've been through and and it's just nice to get that as like a young person who's teaching and yeah but whatnot especially too for anyone else who listens to this too yeah 
Um, and so, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go okay. for it. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that you enjoy teaching. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. And we are so grateful to have you here. Uh-huh. But And I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but what are your goals and aspirations? And what is Marissa, like, what what, what is your uh, ultimate dream? Like, what do you want to do? People always ask me that, and it changes. Um... I guess, like, broadly, to still dance, or, like, to still have dance in my wheelhouse when I'm older. I love choreography. I don't do as much of it as I would like to. Um, but, to like, concrete goal be, like, choreograph for music videos, or, like, just choreography. I'll be nice. kind of more behind the scenes and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really want to get my master's and teach at a college level, and create a program i love to bring back ut's dance programs i don't have Whoa, it anymore that is amazing that That's would be amazing thing, but I'm sure just, sure I, love, I, I do like teaching at loyola we had a small program and so one of my teachers sandra kaufman was the director and you kind of saw how she created it and how what classes were involved like we could add improv class we can add because it's still so new mm-hmm. and i feel like that is such an interesting thing that i would like to do when i'm older yeah that great curriculum <laughs> for a college setting, like a whole program. Higher education. And, and Higher education, yes. I could see you doing that because I, just seeing your teaching style and how you approach teaching, you, you come very well I prepared. I talk so much. I'm like, I know, but it's good, though. It's really good to have that preparation. And, and, and you want to teach because you're like, in a, and I don't know, if, I'm sure you, you realize this too, but I believe that every student that we have is intelligent and smart. It's just a matter of some kids learn differently and, oh, yeah. and that was the same way and, like, yeah. and you have to find you have to find those ways those avenues to get the information to them and um, that's what a really good teacher is if you can if you can still keep it engaging but figure out how to get that information to them but I can mm. certainly see you do that <laughs> you should do that that's great I wish you all the best and I, I, I give you uh, uh, my endorsement so oh thanks <laughs> let's just go straight into rapid fire questions yeah of course Okay. Oh man, here we go. We gotta get ready. Padasha or assemble? Assemble. Okay. Uh, Toledo's best kept secret. Toledo's best kept secret: uh, the botanical garden. Oh, that's nice. Favorite ballet. Favorite ballet. To oh dance my... and then to watch. Oh my gosh! Um, Serenade, George Balanchine, to watch. And to dance, Rubies, the Rubies uh, by George Balanchine from his Ballet Jewels. Mm. Favorite dancer to watch? Favorite dancer to watch. Um, I loved watching Rudolf Nureyev um, as when I was a young boy dancing. Um, As for a female dancer, Oh geez, there's so many. It's hard. It's so. <laughs> it, there's so many. Yeah, for for a female dancer, um, I really enjoyed watching Sylvie Guillaume Paris Opera Ballet. Mm-hmm. Favorite song to dance to? Oh, favorite song to dance it to. Have to be classical, or it could be. Could be like a regular song, right? Um, oh geez, uh, Unchained Melody. Three words to describe your choreography style. Um, musical, quick, and dancey. Is that a word? Yeah, <laughs> Is dancey a word? A dancey word. <laughs> a best pizza place in New York. 
best pizza place in New York, Roma's on Third <laughs> Avenue, and in 89th. 89th, yes. That's somebody in the street. That's great. Yes. Roma's, they have the best pizza. What do you I, get? Wait, are you a pineapple person? So or I not? love pineapple and bacon on a pizza. Okay. And I also, my one of my, my, my go to was the uh, was sausage. And then we'd also, you know, you, you experiment with stuff. But yeah. Oh, yummy. Chicken parm pizza. Chicken parm pizza? That's huge in New York. Chicken parm. Is it like it's chicken like, sauce, cheese baked? It's or? like a breaded chicken cutlet that they <gasps> slice and they throw on top of pizza with cheese and sauce. It's like a chicken parmesan hero, but it's on a pizza. Oh my god. And then when you're not busy with dance and artistic directoring and choreography, and what do you have to do for yourself? <laughs> um, I like to go to the gym. I like to go hiking. I love to cook. And oh, you like to cook? I do, yeah. What do you like to make? Um, I like to make all sorts of things. I think for me, like just like just normal, like rustic food, but done, but done well. I try to just take a classic dish mm-hmm. and make it as best as I can. Just simpling as something as simple as a roasted chicken, or uh, or a skirt like a steak frites. You oh, know, make, adding funny. adding lots of lemons and herbs to the chicken. Maybe basting it with honey and some curry powder. Maybe doing something fun with it that way. Just taking stuff like steak. Or even like a meatloaf or meatballs, and but just do it the best that I can. Oh, yeah! Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you use a lot of food imagery in class? Because you cook a lot. I should, right? <laughs> <laughs> Roll like a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be careful with the words I choose, though. Honestly, yeah, no, that's me too. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad I got to learn more about you and your dance journey. Yeah, thank you, Marissa. You can follow Eric on Instagram. At EricAuto79, and you have a website, EricAutoBallet.com. I think I have like one visitor a year to the oh, website. Okay. <laughs> Better than fun. And then kidding. make sure to visit visit the Toledo Ballet website for upcoming performances at artsToledo.com/slash Toledo Ballet. Can you share some of the upcoming performances that we've got going on? Yeah. And our programs too. Yes, absolutely. We have so many wonderful programs here at Toledo Ballet. So to our listeners right now, please uh, check out the Toledo Ballet's website like Marissa was just saying we have our upcoming spooktacular performance at the Valentine Theater will be on the end of October it'll be on Sunday I believe it's the 29th or the 30th but you may want to check that it's at 3 o'clock we are doing an excerpt from Sleepy Hollow and then we go into our big Nutcracker performance at the Stranahan Theater That'll be 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th at the Stranahan. And then moving into the spring, we'll be doing Sleeping Beauty, the full-length Sleeping Beauty Ballet, again in collaboration with the Toledo Symphony. Uh, Jonathan McPhee will be coming back to conduct, and I'm really looking forward to that beautiful spring production. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to everyone who's been listening in, and stay tuned for another episode next month.